Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the BoJack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, BoJack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, as always, for one last time in season four, would you believe mm. it or not, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with even though we're still probably recovering from last week's episode fear not here <laughs> is your weekly slice of podcast horseman you can follow this podcast on twitter or instagram at podcast horseman you can follow either of your hosts as well if you would like to do so on twitter as well you can catch me at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamflet at michael hamflet uh, you can listen to this podcast on itunes where we encourage you to subscribe on spotify where we'd love you to follow on amazon music where you should probably buy a you know a cd or something to counteract the fact that you're listening to this for free because all art is dead and can't be commodified anymore um pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts you can find us and we would love you to leave feedback across all of those apps however it is that you're allowed to do it uh, as every podcast you've ever listened to has told you including this one and if this is your first why go back to the very beginning but as every podcast has told you if you rank and rate and subscribe and all that it gets us up the charts uh, and it gets in our case more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse but it will not be for naught it never is if you leave us a five-star review with a few words in there could be nasty could be nice helps the algorithm it helps us so we'll in return give you a star on our hollywood talk of fame that involves getting a star across the socials and getting a nice review read out at the end of a podcast another one the last one of season four coming at the end of this very episode very good indeed. Call me four to five dentists, Michael, because I agree with you. <laughs> anyway, let's jump to Netflix for our synopsis for the last episode of season four. Season four, episode 12. What time is it right now? Princess Carolyn pitches Philbat to company execs. Todd gets a better business idea. And Bojack comes to a realisation about Hollyhock. But I think we can all probably agree he's catching up with the real geniuses over here at Podcast Horseman, Mr. Hamlet. We are indeed a week in front, and it's good that we are figuring out what time it is right now, because as you say, Princess Carolyn is indeed pitching Philbert to those guys at that daft site. Um, she episode starts with her talking about her love of stories. We can't quite yet see where she is, but how um, one must not imagine that the stories are like real life, no matter how much you enjoy them. 
um, because ultimately uh, there is so little time in life, uh, unlike in stories where everything wraps up nicely. Um, and it becomes this sort of bigger, deeper message about time and the lack of time. At which point a pan out reveals hundreds of clocks ticking and Princess Carolyn and Flip McVicker are indeed in the what time is it right now dot com offices uh, pitching to the execs uh, the show Philbert that we heard about last week. And um, of course, she signed Bojack on the dotted line for um, without asking for his permission. Uh, as Flip explains the pitch, um, we get a clip of Bojack driving home. Um, so obviously Flip's narration of who the Philbert character is is transposed onto Bojack without Bojack himself being aware. Um, Flip notes how uh, this, however, is a, quote, new time for Bojack, which one of the execs, idiot bloke as they are, misreads <laughs> as newt time, forcing an awkward conversation about whether or not this is going to feature newts in time or not. Time is very important to these people. Um, it fades into Bojack, actually, in his life, uh, calling Hollyhock's uh, dad, or one of the dads, um, to plead innocence over Beatrice drugging uh, Hollyhock back, obviously, when they had to come and rescue her from hospital. Um, they tell him not to call again. They rebuff any attempts to make any effort with Hollyhock. Uh, and it fades back into Flip's pitch back in the office as he says, quote, all this time he's been alone, to which the exec replies, except for the newts, right? And that takes us into the credits. Um, it appears as if it's gone as well as it needs to for Princess Carolyn and Flip McVicker, um, because back in the room we go to immediately off the other side of the credits, um, and Flip has genuinely impressed them. Princess Carolyn has reiterated Bojack is attached, um, which they know at this point is absolutely vital. It's the only reason they want the show, because of Bojack's star quality. And Flip notes very specifically that he's seen the quote signed contract. Princess Carolyn is nervous, to say the least. Um, we'll get back to that plot. This is a more traditionally formatted episode this week, which allows us to cover that after we've dealt with uh, Bojack's issues this episode. But what did you make of that cold opening, indeed, this another leap forward in terms of plot and perhaps a teaser of what might be next after last week was a big, sorry, the week before last week was a big wrap up of what they've all been up to this season. Indeed. Well, I think it, it was quite important that we were sat in a room full of clocks, Michael, because all that ticking and all that talking, it kind of felt like we were heading towards a bomb rather than a clock, <laughs> didn't it? Because this is yeah. something, Princess Carolyn making that decision, making the call to sign Bojack's name on the papers for this project Oh, buddy, <laughs> got me worried, <laughs> got me worried indeed. Although I am very excited because this means that if we're going to get this project off the ground with what time is it right now, we're going to get more Flip McVicker. And I've got to be honest, man, Rami Malek as Flip McVicker is something <laughs> I am very much here for in this show. He's a total hit right out the gate. Um, the deadpan delivery of having seen Princess Carolyn's uh, obviously yeah. sign with Bojack on it's just tremendous because it just puts the weight of her world on her pressured shoulders she does her very best uh, sort of agent slash manager speak doesn't she where she's like leaves enough uh, vagueness there so that like it sounds all good she's like it's not it's attached but not not really attached not attached attached and he's like no I very specifically am here to tell you he is 100% attached to this project there's no backing out of this there's something interesting to that, um, not to labour on Flip too much on the assumption that we'll obviously be seeing a bit more of him, but he's um, passionate very specifically about this project. It is feels rare that we see like the, a show being respected by its creators, um, even Herb, when he makes it with horsing around. That kind of teaches us how Hollywood and Hollywood works, and it's about a bunch of people that were once creators suddenly losing all that interest in being creative once they see the dollar signs or once they see the life. Flip, so far 
has remained quite married to his material. And there's quite a lot to be said for that in this world of, well, just complete phonies, which at this point, I guess, Princess Carolyn is kind of fallen into that trap a little bit. Could even say he's flipped the script, Michael. <laughs> you could, and I have a lot of respect that you did. Uh, on, to, uh, <laughs> on to Bojack's central plot this week, after obviously such a, a mammoth um, bullet to the heart of an episode last week. Um, he's at home watching an old horse and around. It has been a minute since we saw this sight of him, of course, sat lonely in his house on the hills watching a horse and around. Uh, it's an episode where Sabrina calls him, quote, the worst dad in the world, to which Bojack replies, quote, I'm the only dad you've got. So it's all resonating a little bit too hard for him in the current climate. Um, an absolutely amazing, hilarious background gag in the middle of this scene. <laughs> 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 finds the episode of Horse and Round continue to play as Bojack carries on through the scene and we're listening to the dialogue and they get the knock at the door which we know now is quite a recurring gag where any guest star they get they can get their hands on in this crap night is sitcom they will take and they get a knock at the door from OJ Simpson's defence lawyer because his car has broken down which of course uh, dates this episode as around 1995-1996 trial of OJ Simpson him of course being found innocent and his like the, the fame his legal team found as a result of you know for all intents and purposes being able to get a man off the hook allegedly for murder let me throw that word in even though it feels like the most pointless at this point in human history um, he doesn't know this podcast exists <laughs> you're, oh you're safe <laughs> so like we will uh, come back to that in just a second but at this point um, Bojack is uh, trying to call the residential care home to offload the last of Beatrice's boxes that he's got a stack of a few things that are left that he just wants shot off. Um, back and horsing around as he's like filtering through the boxes and trying to get through to the care home. Sabrina is asking if she could maybe use DNA to find her family. Again, the links to, to Hollyhock continue, allowing the defence lawyer to get this long bit of speech in about the evidence confusion that was used in the actual court case. This, of course, relates to anybody that doesn't know, relates to how, you know, they had the DNA. They had all the DNA. Nowadays, 2021 standards, OJ was done for. But somehow the defence team managed to question the legitimacy of DNA to a jury that at that point, and a society at that point, that didn't fully understand the purpose of it. So um, OJ's defence lawyer cracks this long speech out that he's obviously had pre-planned, that he'd used in court, that he then uses in the house about, well, it's not necessarily the DNA of that one human. It could be the DNA of OJ's wife or his father or another member of his family. Of course, we it's know from that. no way of knowing. <laughs> there's no possible way of knowing. It's Fantastic. This It's impeccable Bojack Horseman script writing yeah. because, of course, this plays up to everything that we've learned about Hollyhock's parentage last week. And yet it's one of the best. And this is like a hall of fame of amazing gags. One of the very best um, horsing around gags, I think, that the show's ever done. Um, and then brilliantly, brilliantly, as Bojack, as that sort of this, this um, defence lawyer spiel comes to a halt, Bojack sits back down, sort of slumps into the chair um, and he's just about to turn it off. Uh, when Sabrina starts to blurt out, ah, that's too much, Matt. And then he turns it off before she gets the full that's too much man out, which, of course, ties back brilliantly to last year's episode 11, that's too much man, when she never got her last words out. Um, this was uh, this was amazing. Like, this feels, I know this is like a, a short scene and a relatively nothing scene um, in terms of, like, how the rest of the episode would go. This was incredible. I thought I was mesmerized by what a what a fabulously funny gag this was to imagine horsing around with OJ's defense lawyer. They are they're always brilliant. All the cutaways to yeah. horsing around are always piss funny. But to tie this into the central theme and the central plot, 
just spellbinding stuff. OJ's defence lawyer, who's only stopped Michael at Bojack's house, or the horse's house, should we say, in Horse Around, because his car ran out of juice. (laughs) Of course, of course. Of course his car, OJ's defence lawyer, (laughs) ran ran out of juice. Incredible stuff, this. And, yeah, I mean, this show is known for stupid gags, but it's known for also making stupid gags relevant. And you've saved me a bit of a hassle later on having to go through this again. But, Mm. of course, we've had the fact that this ties in in a stupid, stupid way. And this will come back to uh, to resonate later on in another little observation in this episode. But brilliant the way they use the two narratives. And it's almost like just sticking the knife in Bojack when he least expects it because not... <laughs> That's not it. Just, good, good choice of words. Really is because not only is... <laughs> because, not, <laughs> because not only... Let me get there. <laughs> Unlike OJ's defence lawyer who will... <laughs> Because he ran out of juice. Um, Listen, if, I, if your words don't fit, you must acquit. Like, that's... A... <laughs> allegedly, Michael, allegedly. 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 <laughs> but incredibly, I think this helps to tie in a reminder of just how much... So this is, like, the latest in a series of real bad things that have, like, happened both to and because of Bojack Horseman. The Sarah Lynn... The duplicity of the tie-in with her in this, of course, her being the one who has passed away, him still having that in his head somewhere, while also the tie-in of, like, the daughter-father relationship going on. It's just magical. Really, really well done, this. Really, really well done. I, You've got a better memory for this than I have, but I'm trying to remember if in the finale of season three they acknowledged something particularly awful about the episode 11 of season two because I thought it was really interesting that Sarah Lynn was used here because we've lived through something in the last episode 11 that we reviewed last week that was so awful it has allowed us much like it's allowed Bojack to dare to forget about Sarah Lynn where you know like 12 episodes ago that was the be all and end all and um, it's made me want to go back and watch these episode 12s to see if there's a little a little callback to the prior seasons episode 11 to be like to tell the viewer you know how you think this is the most serious thing in the world he's also still dealing with that you forgot about that didn't you the one thing I could remember that goes with that, not episode 12, but certainly during the episode 11, obviously, we literally go back to um, see Charlotte and that in New Mexico, don't they? Like, yes. Or, uh-huh. or Penny, sorry, goes back and sees Penny in New Mexico, um, which is, again, another reminder yeah. in the same episode to tell you that even, like, that's bad, but then even they managed to top it in that very episode. So it wouldn't surprise me if in that episode 12 from last season, that was probably at least a mention of maybe mm-hmm. Penny but who knows? I guess I guess someone should do a podcast about it or something. <laughs> it's that idea that, like, well, if you think today's Bojack's worst yeah. day, he's already had several just like this, and it's, it pays you to remember that. And it's a reminder as well, just like, because his list is getting longer by the minute, mm-hmm. which is the worst part about all of this. Yeah, that's no fun. Um, and we find Bojack back at Bellicans, but in this case, he's with Princess Carolyn. Um, so it's not him sort of drowning his sorrows. It's the potential of him getting his career back on track. Princess Carolyn is being upfront with him about trying to uh, sell his Philbert at this point, selling the show Philbert, so we'll sign on the dotted line. He doesn't like the idea because he doesn't like the idea of the show. Um, these dramas don't particularly work for him. He says that he hates these uh, mystery shows where the main character remembers some random detail that totally recontextualizes everything and it all magically comes together. Then 
when Princess Carolyn mentions how Matthew Perry might be interested in the lead role, uh, that name is suddenly the random detail that totally recontextualizes everything, so it all magically comes together. Tremendous gag here. Uh, he recalls a chat with Holly, <laughs> with Holly Hop, uh, watching a sketch that Matthew Perry did on Saturday Night Live called Chandler's List, uh, which of course was a, a play on Chandler's List, and they're, they're having a conversation about this way back when Holly Hop was living with him. Um, at that time, she's uh, packaging up a picture to send to the adoption agency in case they have a mother's address on file. Of course, for the longest time, she was with Bojack trying to hunt down her mother. With this little sort of memory uh, in the back of his mind, he rushes home from the bar uh, without giving Princess Carolyn an answer, obviously to a question about Philbert at this point, and finds the packaging that was in one of Beatrice's boxes that was forwarded back to him. It has a, a series of address labels on, not at this address, blah, blah, blah. And after peeling back a couple of the Beatrice ones, he finds what he's looking for. There's a no longer lives here label for Henrietta Plachke. Bojack is confused. We are not, of course. A nice bit of dramatic irony of how this is all going to come together. Um, it comes together later on in the episode. We get some scenes with the B and C plot, and then it's back to Bojack, where things have moved on quite substantially. Bojack arrives at Hollyhock's house in Wichita, um, but instead of, uh, of finding Hollyhock, he's surrounded by all of her angry dads. Um, of course, they rebuffed him from ever seeing her again in any capacity. So not best pleased he's here. Um, and he really struggles to get through to them about why he's here in the first place. Um, but he's got quite a story, Nicholas. He's worked out that he's not her father. His father is. How has he got to the point that we are obviously now already at as a result of episode 11? Well, he's done the work, much like we did sitting through the episode last week. Um, set to the stupid piece of shit animation style, which is a nice flip on how we know his mind operates on a daily basis. We see the work that Bojack has done to arrive at this conclusion, and it is work. He explains to the dads how he's gone to literally every hospital and league office in LA to check every horse girl birth in the state. Um, there's no record of a horse girl being born on Hollyhock's birthday. And then he realizes why she was born in San Francisco. He chased a uh, suspicion that he had about um, a dalliance that his dad had with the house's help at the time, of course, we know to be Henrietta. So he went through to San Francisco and did the exact same thing again. All the hospitals, all the legal offices stood in lines, which is a great callback to the fact that he hated doing that once upon a time. He thought he was too big a star to stand in boring offices and stand in queues, but this time he knew it was worth the work. So he's done that all again, and he's found uh, her birth certificate with Henrietta Plachke's name on it. Um, he signed up to Facebook to find Henrietta, and he managed to track her down as living in Minneapolis as a nurse, and her Facebook included a phone number on it. He's not here to make amends with Hollyhock. He's not here to try and sell himself to the dads. He just wants her to get the phone number so she can do what she wants to do all along, which was reach out to her birth mother. He's done an amazing thing, and he's put the work in to do it, and it's a selfless good deed of super ultra rare selfless good deed from Bojack Horseman in the finale of this season of all seasons. Um, he asks if they'll pass on the number. They all speak to each other in a curious coded tongue that all the dads seem to be able to understand a little bit more on that later um and they begrudgingly agree to tell her on the grounds that he leave the house right now which again as per his sort of attitude to this whole situation he accepts without putting up any kind of fight he believes that they'll do it he knows it's for the greater good and they're good dads they're going to do it uh and he leaves uh, amazing amazing stuff a, a, a rare like earnest wholehearted victory for Bojack Horseman that you can support him through. Absolutely. And uh, the more we talk about this, the more that I realise um, 
usually when we hit it in episode 11, it's, it's oh, God, what's he going to do this time? What is he going to do this time? That wasn't the case this episode 11, which leaves us in a situation where Bojack is, dare I say it, Michael, whisper it, actually doing good. Like, actually... Should we, should we horse whisper it? Maybe we should horse whisper <laughs> this one. Well, look... Either way, he seems, for all intents and purposes, like he. It, this has been a, a, a sort of life-changing moment for him. Certainly, the all of the complications that's come with Hollyhock and him realizing how much of a, a positive impact he's had on his life. Like, who else on earth would he have done this for? No mm-hmm. one, I don't think. I don't even think he would have done it for anybody's anybody else in this show. Like, not his quote-unquote best friend Todd back in the day. Not peanut butter. Not Diane. Not PC. I don't think any of them. But he's done this for Hollyhock. And I think that's huge. It is huge. Because it obviously it's summarized for you in the in the excellent animation style that they use, like to remind us of Bojack's head and what it looks like that we got from mm-hmm. stupid piece of shit. But like that is a montage that is squashed down. You think about what he actually had to do there. That is yeah. a lot of stuff, man. And I'm not saying it makes him perfect, but he's trying, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's it. I think he doesn't you know, we've seen before, you know, the thirst for awards, the thirst for credibility, the respect of his family and his peers and his heroes and blah, 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 blah. At no point, and again, it's wonderfully acted by Will Arnett. It's really brilliantly directed by the cast and crew and team. At no point uh, at all do you think that he's doing this for praise, applaudits or anything like that. It's as far away from his professional life as possible. As you say, this feels like an attempt to pay back what Hollyhock's given to him which is a feeling of purpose that he seems so black before, because it takes purpose to go about doing everything he's done. Um, I love more in hindsight, what was effectively a f- like what looked at the time, like quite a, a throwaway gag about him being too big a star to queue in council offices. Yeah. Like yeah. the last time we went there with Diana, I seem to recall in the episode, we kind of considered that the C plot of that episode. Mm. Well, Jack's arc was, was intentionally like laid off a little bit so they could do peanut butter politics stuff. So they could do Todd stuff. Um, and now we know why it was there. We had to see how much he would hate that. We have to know. We know it already. We can assume it. But we've literally seen how much he despises having to go through that and look how many times he's gone through it with his head down and his blinkers on to get what he needs for somebody else, for none of the none of the plaudits that come with it. I, I think it's probably, and I would imagine maybe by quite some way, actually, the most selfless thing he's ever done in this show at this point, right? Like, yeah, gotta be, yeah. Like, has to be. There can't be anything else. And I think this kind of maybe comes as a knock-on effect of, like, he chooses at the end of episode eleven to let Beatrice live in, like, a fantasy essentially, mm. because she she's in the home and it's a real bad place for her. And we've just come out the back end of that atrocious episode eleven where we've finally understood. Well, we better understand what's going on in Beatrice's mind and why she is the way she is. Mm. And he chooses. Mercy, I guess, doesn't he? He could just be horrible the other end. He tells her all those nice things. And I wonder if there was something, like the knock-on effect from that in in a certain way is, what else can I do? And then the, the, he, he maybe feels a little bit responsible for this so that he's he's got to try and fix it. And no matter what happens, he doesn't care about the plaudits because he just wants to help Hollyhock. Like, he cares so much about her. Yeah. It's not, which is the, the, the lovely part of that when he basically says, I don't care if you never... You don't have to tell it was me, whatever. I just mm. need her to have the number because that's what she deserves and what she what she should have. Yeah, it's 
are we coming to a conclusion a little bit here? And there's more of this, a little bit more of Bojack this episode. Are we coming to a conclusion that he's maybe actually learning? Because the other thing that's brought to mind for me was how um, when they're very briefly, when he's uh, with Bradley Hitler Smith doing the horsing around reboot, um, and he is speaking to the the, the new daughter actor, yes, and yeah. he talk he talks to her in a really supportive way because he's basically paying it. He's paying his relationship with Sarah Lynn forward. Because he couldn't pay it back. It was too late. She was gone. Yeah. He, yeah. he blew it. He blew it. Now he can pay it back. Is it like because that was a selfless good deed that he attempted when he was trying yeah. to help that young that young star like enter in this this grim world that she was about to enter? Um, but it ends up backfiring that, doesn't it, in itself? Because he gets it, panicked and, and it leaves. does. It, it it ruins it for him, but it was supposed to be for her. Yeah. Um, and again, that's off the back of a learning experience for Sarah Lynn. This feels more like an attempted before disaster strikes. You know, before, before like getting in now before something yeah. awful happens with Hollywood. Preemptive, like Sarah Lynn. rather than yeah. reactive. I think is That's important it. there, isn't it? And I think, go on. No, I was just going to say, it all feels like part of a continuing. It's a continuing learning curve if you want to trace it back through what we've like what we've seen him go through. It feels like an important change in approach, doesn't it, for him? Like mm. definitely. And I wonder if him. Like, I know he wasn't, like, we, we, the viewer, have seen the episode 11, so we understand the negative impacts that have come all the way down the line, the poisonous the poisonous family tree that is uh, the horseman's seed, I guess, if you want to call it that. And I just wonder if it, it's maybe starting to sink in that he needs to help change that. Like, and if, indeed, Be, uh, Beatrice is now in the home, she can't hurt Hollyhock anymore, which is the last, well, could, if he can get his together, there could be the last negative line there. Mm. Like he can, he can now see that that she can't do anything to anybody anymore in that home. She's gone. That factor is removed now. And I wonder if maybe he's thinking, I need to change now. And this is a huge, huge step in the right direction. It's massive. Um, and more is to come. I can't believe they're not going to be well, but no, the more <laughs> is to come. Um, come to the piano fun. from the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bojack's back at his house, um, and Princess Carolyn rocks up. She admits outright that she's put him on the contract. We're going to find out a little bit later how she came to that decision, um, but she just up, she's up front with him finally about the situation, and he just immediately agrees to do it. Um, and he again, in the best possible way, he says, "After all she's done for him, it's about time he started paying her back." Um, he notes that it'll be uh, good for him to get out of the house. I'll say that with a wry smile. Uh, and he heard she had a new boyfriend, and she heard he had a kid living with him. And I love that those two things are no longer the case because it reminds us, the viewer, that we... It's a lovely moment between the two where they're trying to like inquire about each other's lives. But for us, it makes us realise that they've been out of each other's lives all this time. Like an entire season of yeah. seismic events, the, the entire relationship with Ralph, the entire arrival and disappearance of Hollyhock has all happened while these two have been out of each other's way. And that's that kind of hits you like a ton of bricks. You kind of... Because you're watching them live their lives, you forget that they've not been watching each other. And that's quite, it bonds them tighter in this moment, I think, that you've, this is a, a coming together of two people that have been in each other's lives for a long time. And then for whatever reason, like life and other events and things has torn them apart. And it's really quite nice that this has brought them back together. Um, they share glasses of water. Again, quite telling with what's going to feature in this episode and what we've seen previously about Princess Carolyn's drinking and, and Bojack's difficult relationship with alcohol in general. Um and over these glasses of water, Bojack talks a little bit about Hollyhock uh, and asks if Princess Carolyn 
whatever, uh, adopt. She's, uh, he knows that she doesn't need a man because she'd be a great mother all the same. Again, just open-hearted, earnest support without needing anything back from Bojack. Um, we'll end here with, with you know how Bojack's episode ends, I guess. Um, he's flicking through the Filbert script uh, back in his house after Princess Carolyn has left. He's getting prepared, obviously, for the role. And uh, he gets a call from Hollyhock. She's... Um, she cracked the dad code, which she thinks they believe that uh, she can't understand it, but of course she knows it, uh, and got Henrietta's number. She's flying to Minneapolis to meet her right now. She's in the airport about to board a plane. Bojack's obviously thrilled for her. Um, he apologises for not taking better care of her, but Hollyhock, um, apart from the drugging, admits that she had actually quite a good time and doesn't hold him responsible for the drugging anyway. It's, it's a really nice moment that kind of allows, I think, Bojack, again, for a change allows him to take a breather about a thing he was worried about. Normally he is so solely responsible for these awful things that the people in his life don't let him off with it. This is one of those rare times where it wasn't him and he gets the pass and it's it's nice. Um, she's about to board uh, the plane and Bojack asks, kind of flustered, uh, if he can do anything for her, upgrade her flights, um, get her a car out the airport. And she kind of chuckles it off. She says like, of course, she never needed him to be a dad but she's never had a brother. And Bojack, overcome with the emotion, at the end of a season of Bojack Horseman, smiles. And we hit the credits. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible stuff, this. I, I know we've got more to get into, so I won't spend far too long on this, but this was... What a lovely, lovely end to it. Like, And how often do we get to say that? I, mean, <laughs> I will say, I will say, and we promised as well, they always do end... Season 12, well, a season 12, good Lord, if only. Oh. Episode 12s in the seasons, you should always watch them after the 11s because the, yeah. the show is all about giving you life's waste but always reassuring you that in, whether it's some small way or something, there's always a little bit of hope there if you, if you choose to find it. And this is a choice that he's made that has indeed paid off for him, let's be honest. Like... How many times does he do something good, selfless, and end up getting something back in return as huge to him as this? Mm -hmm. It's it's like uh, I I was questioning after the fact if we'd ever seen a smile like this come across Bojack's face that wasn't um, in sync with pointed eyebrows looking downwards because he's happy about something that is also making him quite cross uh, or he's... happy with the sadness of others. He's, had, he's definitely had moments before where I would imagine a smile like this has come about. Not many, mind you, but there will have been some little odd moments of sincerity here and there. I bet he's had one with Diane, 100%. Yeah, probably, yeah. In, in some earnest little conversation they've had, an all-time out, undoubtedly. Um, but I know, I know what you mean, though. This, isn't, this, is a, this is a rarity. Like It's powerful. The visual is powerful. I'll tell, tell you what's more, probably what is maybe more what you're getting at here. He looks content. Mm, that yes. is something I don't think we've ever seen before. Content with Borgia. Yeah, it's a long, wide smile that just stays there. And it, often with the point of a, a long lingering shot in Bojack is for you to soak up the misery. And yeah. in this case, you, you're permitted like several seconds of... It's bliss, as you say, it's contentment. It's actual, just a sense of like emotional freedom out of this... Like we know the jail in his head, and he, it's as if he's escaped it for just a few seconds. It's like he's like he's taking one like long deep breath in out on his balcony. Um, I don't know. He might have a tab buried under his hand. I've heard that's a really nice thing to do. But like it's just so freeing, as you say. Episode twelve after episode eleven, incredibly freeing, and it's something you get to share with Bojack. Um, 
hit me more than I expected because I always think of the runners at the end of season three. I always think of the running horses um, as the one. And I got a lot. I think this is probably only my second or third watch of this episode ever. And I got a great deal out of this. It like honestly took me a little surprise of how how strong this was. Um, Can't all be sunshine and rainbows. It's Bojack Horseman. Let's talk about Dine and Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, They start their episode testing VR headsets and completely misunderstanding the technology. (laughs) They're they're shouting in that way that children do when they're wearing headphones. Um, They're only doing it to pick out furniture. Um, The the kind furniture assistant has given them these VR headsets to show what a sofa would look like in their new house that they've purchased together. Of course, the old one is a hole in the ground. Um, And they wanted to get something together. It wasn't just Diane living in Mr. Peanut Butter's house. So this is them trying to kit it out with all the like all the new furniture and all these things, but they believe they're in some sort of game where they can't. They, they wonder why they can't see each other and why they keep tripping over sofas. It's because that sofas are what's supposed to be in there. Um, but the important thing is, which Mr. Peanut Butter really labours on, is that they're doing this together. It's all supposed to be together. Um, Diane herself looks forward to a normal life together. They kind of dwell on the fact that they're going to be together forever, but it's going to be different now. It's going to be better now. Um, so they arrive at the new house. You see the car full of stuff in the boot of the car in the back seat. Um, and they, they arrive at this new house. But before they even open the car door, Mr. Peanut Butter suggests going to Hawaii instead. Let's do something impulsive. Let's do something impulsive before we settle down for the rest of our lives together. Um, Diane, to be fair, noticed that they might as well use the bridge, which was built as a result of his impulsive political campaign, as if to say that he's not been just acting on his impulses all goddamn season, maybe all his goddamn life. Um, and that gives you a really nice comedic cut to where you assume this bridge to be this complete waste of money, this frivolous spend. It's just like bumper to bumper for yeah. as far hundreds of miles across the sea to Hawaii, as far as the eye can see. Car, 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 car. <laughs> so Mr. Peanut Butter is like... Oh, you're a seagull. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, jerking the car forward, like on the clutch, one after another after another. Every single time uh, it bumps a little bit, Diane gives him a bit of a, a glare because she's on a phone. She's getting annoyed about being jerked forward. Um, when he leaves a little bit of space because of Diane's passive aggressive noises, he gets caught up by another car. It's all getting a little bit angry family holiday. <laughs> Again, another, <laughs> another fantastic visual gag. He says, oh, all right, I'll stop to get some gas. And there's a gas station slash hotel slash layby that's also been built on the bridge again it's just this standalone island that's been built coming <laughs> off the bridge to hawaii how much freaking money did this thing cost um but this is where things turn around for the two of them um they get petrol and we see that the sun goes down so they've obviously been like sat in this parking lot quite a long time uh peanut butter comes back to the car where dying is still on a phone Probably has been a couple of hours where they've just been sat separate from one another, taking a breather from each other and ready to start again. And he's done the maths and it works out that they're not really going to have much time in Hawaii, even if they get there. So maybe they should make a night of it here at the Thrifty Lodge. They have a bit of fun when they check into the Thrifty Lodge. They're kind of pretending uh, with the the steward on the desk that this was the Hawaiian spa. They're talking about like asking like sort of what the facilities are like. Diane um, mentions a bell room, which Peanut Butter assumes to be a ballroom. More on that a little bit later. Um, and they're talking about food, and it's a nice, cute cut to the pair of them eating sandwiches against the sunset. But it turns out they're just dangling the legs off the edge of the bit of bridge that this yeah. was built off into the ocean below. Um, they're having a nice conversation, and uh, 
Diane goes into details about a bell room, which she confirms is a huge room like Bell had in Beauty and the Beast, an enormous wall-to-wall uh, -wall, like library sort of ball, library come ballroom effectively, um, a drawing if you've not seen Beauty and the Beast. Um, but the conversation is broken up by a fish and a shellfish that spot Mr. Peanut Butter from the Seaborn Seahorse Milk commercial. What a gift that keeps on giving, that one little job he did just for the money. Yeah. Um, he... Checks if it's okay with Diane to go and take a picture. She probably rightfully points out it'll make their day. So he dives into the water and have a little bit of fun with them. You hear him say something like, oh, what else do you know me from? Because he's just really keen to be getting that like <laughs> validation again. Uh, as Diane heads back to the room. Um, there she lowers the light. She lights some candles. She wears some negligee. The whole idea is to surprise him. The spark that I guess she was hoping they'd find in Hawaii. She wants to find it here in the Thrifty Lodge. Um, but passage of time, cut. And she's dozed off. She's fallen asleep. We assume that Peanut Butter's been out in the water with him for a little while longer than she might have expected. He gets back um, and they settle for the night, but it's not in an angry way. She's not angry that he's got back late and they've missed this window, I guess. All's well that ends well. Should we have a little bit on that before we get to all's well not ending so well? I think it's just as well there was that um, little break that could go to the Thrifty, lo the thrifty Lodge and the <laughs> gas station because that drive was getting real tense and we've all been in a car with that kind of drive taking place and uh, I could feel it, feel the tension going down. I'm sure you've had a few of them more so. Imagine with two little ones in the back as well. <laughs> My word, doesn't even bear thinking about. You can't believe you're taking time off work to spend your time doing that. Really, it is quite a time. Um, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a fruitful break for them um, and they return to the house. And Mr. Peanut Butter has planned a huge surprise while they've been away. As always, he listens and he understands and he just tries to make dreams come true for Diane. They go into the new house, which is a brave step for them after, of course, avoiding it in the first place. And he's made her a frigging bell room. Uh, <laughs> a room in the house, of course, is a play off the ballroom that he made for her birthday. Again, he's transformed an entire room of a house into exactly something that she's described. Um, another bit of dramatic irony here because she's overwhelmed to the point of hating it and he doesn't understand but even we understand at this point that she was going to hate this we know how well this is going to go down before yeah. Mr Peanut Butter which is awful because as incredible and grandiose as this gesture is you know it's not going to end well um, he just doesn't get it she notes that the gesture is far too big it's something that she wanted to have in her imagination and it feels as though he's taken her fantasy away Um turns into a pretty big argument where Peanut Butter worries out loud uh, that Diane will leave him just like Jessica and Katrina did if he doesn't satisfy her whims with things such as this. Uh, the row settles and Diane stops to compare him to uh, compare him and the marriage to a magic eye poster, which we of course know that Mr. Peanut Butter loves. This has factored into his marriages in the past. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter stops to say, oh, God, yeah, I love that. Um, but Diane talks a bit more about the, um, the magic eye poster. Um, it's hard to figure out what it is at first. It's messy. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's hard to figure out. But sometimes if you squint just right, everything lines up. Mr. Peanut Butter feels assured by that summary that she lands at at the end. Um, almost like, oh, it's like he expects something similar to the night before where he's going to get to stroke a hand and be like, oh, the two of us, eh? Um, at which point she bursts into tears and says she is, quote, so tired of squinting. Um, there are, of course, no credits. Bojack has the credits. But uh, we get a slow zoom out of the shot to a maudlin piano soundtrack. And we might have finally found, after, I would say, a couple of failed attempts and several big distractions, 
rock bottom for Diane and Peanut Butter. Well, we also get, which is a trademark, I think you might have pointed out, we get an almighty sigh from Mr. Peanut Butter as well. Like, a real, just the worst kind of sigh, man. Like, when you know it's gone wrong, where this is like, poor poor Diane, man. She just, she just can't take it anymore. She's so sad. We never like seeing Diane sad on this show, ever. Um, unless she's eating crisps, in which case... Yeah, 50-50. <laughs> but this is, yeah, it's real real sad because I think, like most of Mr. Peanut Butter's life, there's been something distracting him and them from this unspoken thing between the two for it's, quite it's, some it's time. It's philosophy, isn't it? You're supposed to live your life with meaningless distractions. Of course. Otherwise, otherwise this happens. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise this keeps happening to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. And and quite a big moment for him to verbalise that feeling yeah. of, being worried about being abandoned again, which for a guy who's been abandoned twice already by previous wives, whether or not he was super responsible, of course, is up to the people around us. But it's a legitimate worry and it can make him do stupid stuff, clearly. But I don't know, this is not good, as you pointed out. We have hit a real low here and that is even lower than when the house actually went (laughs) underground. It's, um, again, I think it's a real, like... It'd be easy for us to kind of gloss over um, what a success story this plot line is for the season as a whole. Um, we talked about how smart it was that what we assumed to be the big issues were blown off in episode 10 in like spectacular fashion. Uh, yeah. Peanut Butter's, Peanut Butter's winning of the election, for example, Todd's clown dentist. Um, you get like epilogues to that in this episode. Um, which is what next for Peanut Butter and Diane and what next for Todd and the, the clown dentist, I guess. Um, but those payoffs were to show that ultimately these were the meaningless distractions. The people weren't getting on yeah. with the big things in their lives because of these distractions. And I love that the specifics of the Peanut Butter one can now extend to competing with his ex-wives to try and solidify the love with his current one. That coming out, as you pointed out, in that in the way it did, very specifically in that row, again, just puts another bow on that entire that entire thread the whole season. Um, what started off as a daft distraction became a war with two ex-wives, two ex-partners, um, because he couldn't bear the prospect of it happening a third time. Um, it's what we are told has no depth. Suddenly gains some, and we're going to get that with Todd as well in just a minute, but just really, really superb um, through lines for everybody this season. Like the tightest ever, I think, in season four, the tightest we've experienced so far for all of them. Yeah, brilliant. And anybody who ever watching, is watching any of those other um, plots, whether it's a B plot, a C plot, a D plot in this show, be prepared, man. It's going to mean something somewhere down the line, mm. no matter how ridiculous and how stupid it seems. It's just this, if you think about where they are at the start of this season and where they end, where they finished last season, actually, those two, um, like there's a bit of hope. They know they need to work at it, but then... We have literally spent an entire season avoiding working at it because they've both mm-hmm. been distracting themselves with other things. And unfortunately, this is the end result, it seems. And a bit more of that coming our way with Todd. Um, so Todd's arc in this episode starts with a little bit of Princess Carolyn. So there's a bit of overlap here that will fill in the gaps of what we saw Princess Carolyn doing with Bojack. Um, we first see Todd in this episode when he's at Princess Carolyn's place. He's still living there as well, obviously. And Stuart, her idiot and crap, uh, Judah replacement is uh, is bringing her back to a flat because she's been spent a long day drinking. Uh, what we first think is her actually doing right by Princess Carolyn is still 
um, a dreadful state of disrepair because she didn't stop him stopping her crashing a car. Like that has still happened somehow in this day where he's having to carry her into her own apartment. Um, she's in a bit of a state. Um, Todd is sort of left with her and she collapses on the sofa and suddenly it cuts to black. Then a point of view shot of Todd saying, you need to get your shit together. He's doing the Princess Carolyn pep talk to her. Um, she's strapped into a dentist chair in the woods. We know at this point why those things are where they are. <laughs> she's worried uh, that she's got nothing um, without a career, that she's too old to meet the right man, to start a family. And much like Bojack would say to her later in the episode, uh, he empowers her to get back out there and do it, that she doesn't need a man for any of these things. She's Princess Goddamn Carolyn. Um, she can go back out there and kick ass. This all goes swimmingly. Ultimately, the pep talk has worked. Um, Princess Carolyn's feeling ready to go out, raring to go again. Todd gets a, a nice sort of analogy in about being in the woods, and the only way to get through it is to get through them. So they go to leave the woods together until they're rounded on by all the clown dentists who appear oh, to have been no. <laughs> zombified or something since they've been abandoned in the woods by Todd. Um, what appears to be blood splattering on the camera is in fact ketchup as we cut to todd in a diner pouring ketchup on his chips explaining <laughs> uh, explaining that all the dentists have somehow contracted rabies when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, across the table from Todd at this point is Yolanda, um, of course, from the Better Business Bureau, uh, because Todd believes that she'll be in bother with her bosses and again, I'm going to leave the rest of that tongue twister to maybe later in the episode, um, because she puts it. He puts it on her basically that if only she'd approved the clown dentist business, none of this rabies carry on would have happened in the first place. So they kind of conspire to think, right, we're going to have to deal with the clown dentist. Have got rabies problem. Can you see why this is a C plot? They head into the woods, having set up an insanely elaborate Rube Goldberg mousetrap device, but it fails. <laughs> it fails horrifically as they are the ones that crawl through it. 
triggering every single trap themselves where the clowns don't. It's preposterous um, and it looks like it's all going to end horribly for them as the clowns continue to round in like a dawn of the dead scenario until this jacked clown appears from nowhere, sacrifices himself for the, the for Todd and Yolanda and says run before he is dived on by the other dentists and they're permitted to escape. They, uh, they get out into a clearing, they've managed to get through the woods. They're a little bit out of breath. Yolanda in particular notes that now she wants to, like she realizes she needs to take up running, um, which I've heard is really hard, but you've just got to take it one step at a time. But the important thing is you got to do it every day. You've got to do it. Um, while she's, so there's a great little uh, verbal tick joke here where Yolanda is talking about, going into detail about how she's tired and she needs to work out. Todd just has a Todd thing where he goes, Hmm. And we know he's having a PB living light bulb moment. She's pissed off that he's just like ignored it <laughs> to go. Hmm. But all again, all is revealed as uh, we later find out that Todd's idea is a fitness program where people go into the middle of the woods and have to run as fast as they can to get away from the clown dentist with rabies. <laughs> one runs one runner seems fair enough to assume that this is a joke, maybe one of them zombie run games or something like that. Todd explains, no, this could not be any more real. We're gonna have to run for your life. It's so successful that it gets approved by the Better Business Bureau. We see Yolanda putting the stamp on the file. This has been the idea that has took. Todd has won again. Um, and Yolanda and Todd bond over that in the diner, back where this sort of started for them. Um, but they might be bonding than more than just that. Um, she asks him out, uh, at which point he tells that he's asexual. But it's okay, because so is she. Uh, she leaves, seemingly aware that he's accepted the date and that, you know, maybe they're going to get together. There's a nice smile on her face. And this gives him pause for contemplation, Adam Nicholas, as if maybe he's not the only one like him. And as if we haven't mm. had enough amazing pull-back pull and reveal gags, maybe the best of the show, maybe the best of the season. A beautiful and very slow pull-back and reveal shows that every single person in the diner is wearing the Todd. The red hoodie, the yellow cat, the one per episode gag has become the entire gag. As after again, a year of Todd kind of avoiding this realisation that he came to at the end of season three, not with politics, but with clown dentists, it's been brought back to him at the end, but with a potential outcome, a potential forward path for him to take. Something he's not wanted to believe could be true, might have been in front of his face and indeed in this diner the whole time. Again, quite nice, but incredibly stupid. Oh, of course it's incredibly stupid. I think, Todd, how does Todd put it? He says something like, to the effect of how him and Yolanda working together was her, her silly nonsense and his, or what is it, her measured amount of nonsense and his, yeah. almost, his usual amount of nonsense <laughs> or whatever he says made the perfect combination. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be stupid, but again, Everything matters in this show, literally mm. everything. And that is honestly one beautiful shot where it pulls away from Todd at that desk. And even, and I mean, I'll get onto these more, but like the yellow and red theme is so perfect with the, obviously everybody wearing the, the red hoodies and the yellow hats. But even like the yellow and red mustard that's on the table with him as well at the same time as it pulls away from this scene. And he just looks, again, content is the word yeah. I would use. Like, oh, maybe I can have, maybe I can have everything. Like, maybe I can have everything. Maybe this isn't as weird as I was worried about it being, and it doesn't have mm. to be as big of a deal. And it all comes from this stupid, stupid guy <laughs> where he has 
come up with another idea that almost costs him and everyone around him dearly, and yet he comes out on top. Because why, Michael? Because he's a man in Hollywood, of course. He gets a, but a, but uh, as well, of course, because as we've alluded to the series, he's also God. So you kind of I have mean, a bit helps. of struggle. You kind of have a bit of struggle with the human race when people believe he created everything. Go on. Sorry. No, I was going to say you do feel as the pull away there that what if. What if Todd was one of us, Michael? You know that's, <laughs> and I guess we got our answer. <laughs> we did. I can't. I can't top that. Uh, and that obviously, with those, you know, we've kind of done it in reverse because it ends on the big Bojack thing. Um, that's our, that's our season. You know, that's like where we find the characters. It's brilliant because, again, like to tie this all back together, if you really think about it, the characters are not that far on from where we're at the end of season three because of the aforementioned. Distractions. I guess that's a bit harsh on Princess Carolyn. And yet, um, this has felt like the most arduous and torturous journey for all of them yet. Um, you know, we'll cover a bit of this in the, the recap next week. Um, but I just found it fascinating that the way that they were able to pull the stories to a stopping point again as we await season five. And you're left really still with the same sort of ponderous questions that you had at the end of season three. Pretty remarkable for what we've lived through in those 12 episodes. Is there something about a way that they have managed to sort of externally, I, I don't know if this is maybe the right way to put this, externally, it feels like not a great deal has changed, but internally for almost every character, I think, mm. we've had some massive changes, like huge changes. You talk about it's been a torturous season for some of the characters in this episode, mm. in this show. And it has been for some of it. For some, it's been shenanigans. For some, it's been journeys and expo- journeys of exploration. Others have learned things from other characters. And while, like you say, on paper, maybe if you were trying to measure it, like uh, quantitatively, maybe not a great deal has changed. But internally, for each one of these guys and gals, it feels like there's been a lot, man. They've come out a different end, and we are like it's it's a good setup ready for the next season again, as always it is with this show. But that feeling of content, maybe minus um, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter, is creeping in across the board, maybe. It does, yeah. I suppose that's in keeping with the theme of the season because it does, um, the season kind of obscures that in the exact same way the characters were trying to obscure this development. All of them, like clown dentists, political aspirations, finding Hollyoaks dad, they were constantly trying to obscure the actual things that they needed to learn and grow through. And yet yeah. it was, as you say, it was kind of happening. Like, as life does, it was happening whether they kind of liked it or not. They were all just waiting for that random detail that was going to make the hero remember a conversation that would totally recontextualize <laughs> everything, and then it all magically would come together in the end, Michael. Just ask the Beatles. Anyway, shall we <laughs> go and do some horsing around if you're all finished for this episode? Yes, why not? We should. Why the hell not? If you are new to the show, welcome. If you are a long-time listener, hello and welcome back. This is the part of the show where we go to the beginning of the episode. We call it horsing around. We go and find all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details you might have missed, all the Easter eggs within each episode. And let's go back to the beginning of this one to find out what we've got from Season 4, Episode 12. And if you're wondering why, I am telling you it's Season 4, Episode 12, Michael, because it plays directly in to the very first thing we get in this episode. We are in the, we go back rather, to the what time is it right now offices that Princess Carolyn and Flip McVigar find themselves in pitching Philbert to these execs. 
And as you mentioned, the room is full of clocks. Mm-hmm. Loads of clocks. So many clocks, Michael. And if only you could tell what the time was. Oh, wait, of course you can. What is the time on the clocks in the room? The time is 4.12, which is, oh, of course, lovely. season four, episode 12, which That's is nice. a lovely little nod to this episode. Not 4.20, eight minutes short, but still, hey, <laughs> 4.20 somewhere. Um, and from there, we go across to the real estate agents where Diane, or the realtors, whatever you call them, I guess, over in America, where Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter are in doing the, uh, with their VR headsets on, as you quite rightly said. But outside, just before we get in, there's a cute little exterior gag. We get the woman who we've mentioned a million times on this podcast, the one who has the pram and the little baby who Bojack always steals the pram off. Off. She now has the little a little girl's grown up to be a toddler, and there's a new baby in the pram. And the new baby in the pram is licking a lollipop just to keep it quiet. And there is a chameleon businessman outside. Of course he's a chameleon, a social chameleon, <laughs> tailored to the world of business, you'd assume, on the phone who just, like, uses his tongue to just quickly steal this lollipop from the baby in the pram. <laughs> the baby is devastated, but nobody else sees it, of course, because he's a chameleon. He's slick like that. Um, but on the outside of the shop as well, there's also a poster, which would hilariously foreshadow what we're going to see, because this isn't um, virtual reality, Michael. This is virtual realty, of course which is the whole gag in itself. And you see it says, come and try our virtual realty on this poster. <laughs> we go across to Bojack Horseman's house um, and we go into, we see him, as you mentioned, he's watching the episode of Horsing Around and he goes to uh, Beatrice's box of things. There's quite a few little trinkets in here. One of them, of course, is the letter that Hollyhock sent out trying to find out who her mother is. We see that was sent to Thrifty Adoptions, which I think it says is in Dublin. I'm pretty sure it says Dublin. It's kind of smudged on the letter in the top mm-hmm. corner. But it looks like it says something High Street, Dublin. Uh, and then you get some numbers below, which I don't know. I don't know if that's even relevant, mm-hmm. but it, that's what it looks like. If anybody else can see it who has better eyesight than me, let us know at Podcast Horseman. But that is, of course, the letter that uh, Hollyhock sent out and has been returned to sender so many times yeah. that it ends up back at Bojack's house. Of course, on top of that, we also get a book, Michael, by... But a Scotch horseman called the horse that couldn't be broken, which I thought was quite ironic, really, given that most of the horses in this family <laughs> are pretty broken. I think we can all agree. And then there's another by a book full of memories. It says, I think, um, as well, that Bojack has. But interestingly, puts down Michael almost like he doesn't want to read it at all. <laughs> um, we go across to Princess Carolyn's house from there, and um, I just thought it was brilliant. I just wanted to draw attention to this. Inside the house, which used to be occupied full of clowns, there's just a random cream pie sitting on this couch that Princess Carolyn, a drunken <laughs> Princess Carolyn, ends up smacking her face into in the typical <laughs> pie-in-face gag. It's amazing, this. It's so stupid, but it is very, very funny. Uh, we go across to the woods, though, where Todd was found giving Princess Carolyn the famous Princess Carolyn pep talk, and as he does so, has given himself a sash to wear across his chest that says, um, head of pep. Because, <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he felt like he needed uh, to really get himself into the role. And as it turns out, he kind of achieves it, I think, to <laughs> a certain extent. I just thought this was as well. What a great, as we mentioned, stupid gags, which end up bringing us something of real meaning. And when they just come to the conclusion that, look, the woods are dark and scary, but the only way out is through. And I just thought, what a 
what a really positive message found inside such a random bit. And then, of course, topped up by the fact that Todd couldn't just leave it there because sincerity is scary, Michael. And he says, as my blood type always says, be positive. <laughs> <laughs> From there, though, and Todd's be positive blood, I guess, we go to the Silver Spoon Diner. You mentioned about the, the ketchup squeeze that like, sort of takes us over there in that weird little fashion. It's meant to be blood, but it's not. Um, and we get a lovely Princess Carolyn-esque tongue twister from Todd, Michael. I think you touched on it earlier. But I guess one of us is going to have to try and actually attempt this, aren't we? I'm so glad it's always you. <laughs> it's always me. It's always bloody me, but here we go. <coughs> so as Todd is talking to Yolanda, who he basically says it's up to her to help him because, you know, she is responsible, he basically says... <clears throat> If people find out the Better Business Bureau is behind this, you don't think you'll be getting a buzz from the business branch of the Board of Better Bureaus, Michael, because they are definitely going to give him a call. And obviously, as Todd alludes to later on, of course, and we alluded to at the start of this episode, the brilliant gag here is that he, he says to Yolanda, call me four out of five dentists, because I agree. <laughs> Which <laughs> Very I good. I've never seen literally anything to do with dentists, whether it's toothbrushes, toothpaste or anything. Four out of five dentists agree, Michael. <laughs> And they are all smiling as, as wide at your excellent delivery of yet another ridiculous bit of scripting. You've had your work out of me this season, so respect for you. I now know that I can leave them out of my notes, knowing that you'll sort of like dive on that landmine for my benefit. So another another triumph there. You can, until the day that I don't. And then we all <laughs> that one day where I convince myself you'll have done it, even though I know full well that you won't. Anyway, from there, we go to the road to Hawaii, or certainly an attempted road to Hawaii, I think we can call it. We see some good gags here. There's a taxi that's behind them, you can see. And on that taxi, you can see the license plate T4X1LA, which ends up reading Taxi LA. And on top of it, it also has an advertisement for Girls, Girls, Gorillas, which, if you recall correctly, was one of the places, I think it's next to the Laugh Shack, I want to say, um, the comedy club that Bojack goes to in the 90s. Um, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's one of the stores nearby, or certainly one of the signs reads for that um, for that same place. There's also another car, the only other license plate you can see, which is just a random license plate that says L1CPL4T, which is, of course... Licence plate. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, we then go to the exterior of Bellican's bar on the outside. So there's a little bit of a gag yet. Well, not a gag. This is more of something I noticed. And it doesn't happen very often, Michael. But every now and again, we catch them out with the old animation on Bojack Horseman. Yeah. And it's always worth noting when you do. Um, because in an effort to either save money or time or something, you will notice outside of Bellican's bar, there is a car. It's a white car that's in full detail. You can see different colours for like the the uh, windows for the, the headlights, all done properly, and the license plate reads XX001. Don't necessarily think there's anything in that, but as an interesting piece of trivia, there's a car model that's kind of like an animation model, the same as, as the exact same as that white car, goes past the screen quickly just to show like a car going by. But it's just kind of been tinted blue, which doesn't look right because it hasn't been given the full detail. And it's just obviously has been done quickly to show like motion, I guess, outside. Mm -hmm. They've obviously just tried to do this as a quick cut, but Adam Nicholas has caught them, Michael. Caught them, trying, <laughs> caught them slacking, I guess we could say, um, which is a rare moment in, in Bojack Horseman. And certainly on Podcast mm -hmm. Horseman, we always like to point out these things. But there you go. Not always top of the pops, mm. it seems. <laughs> horseman but no, we'll let them off because the show is so great and sometimes you do just need to get where you're going speaking of which let's go inside Bellican's bar shall we to the interior and there's 
that brilliant meta gag you mentioned, but I'll just run through with a quote again. Bojack talking to Princess Cow. I am so sick of mysteries. They're almost they're always impossible to figure out. Then all of a sudden, some random detail makes the hero remember a conversation that totally recontextualizes everything, and then it all magically comes together. And where else? <laughs> Would this all come together, Michael? But in a gag so brilliant in itself in a flashback that I wish it had actually been a real sketch on SNL. Why is Chandler's List not a thing, Michael? <laughs> because what that the, uh... is brilliant. Could my list be any bigger? Whatever she says, it's absolutely spot on this. So, so funny. It's very good. It's a, it's one of them gags where Bojack, within Bojack Horseman, they find a way to do a gag so hideously obvious that it wouldn't be out of place on horsing around, but they make it funny. I, yeah. I wish I, I wish I could articulate that point better, but I know we've done this in the past. I know we've lived through one of these jokes that feels right out of Herb's playbook, and yes. yet they've, they've they given you the funny. They yeah. have given you the reason why it's funny out of everything. It's brilliant. Well, even using Herb's, Herb's own humour to get the humour from that, if that makes sense, is exactly yeah. what they've done, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. But we go across to the woods anyway, back to Todd in the woods. <laughs> uh, and I just, I've written down here just how amazing it is because they set this contraption up in the woods full of various different things. Um, but the way that they don't think that the clowns could come from any other direction than the one way that they have left in, which of course ends up being their downfall as a clown comes from the opposite, which makes them go through it. Incredible gag, this. Hilarious. Todd gets hit in the face with tons of whipped creams whipped cream pies <laughs> and all sorts of other stuff it's hilariously hilariously funny and just how i imagine most of todd's days are spent quite honestly with you it didn't feel out of place but we go across to the thrifty lodge next the thrifty lodge hotel en route to miami and you will see inside the thrifty lodge when uh, diane and mr peanut butter are trying to book a room they've got an award on the wall michael so it's not all bad because they won most adequate hotel in 2017 so <laughs> if that doesn't scream quality i don't know what does to be honest I I gotta say, in lockdown, like I'd be game for a night of lunch after, Listen, after all this time. Adequate. Can you imagine adequate? I didn't even look at that and think, well, that looks terrible. I was looking at it thinking that does look like Hawaii. You're right. <laughs> that is paradise. But uh, speaking of which, next to the Fifty Lodge Hotel is the Oxen Gas Station, which is, of course, slight twist on the American um, gas station Exxon which we would see, but it's an ox, Michael, because it's an ox. It's like an, an ox, the animal. You see, this show is funny. Uh, but on the outside, on the outside of the gas station, there's a bunch of posters on the walls. Uh, one of them is a brilliant gag. Uh, selling beef jerky, Michael. Uh, if, you, if you're after some beef jerky, it's going to cost you $2.99. But if you want some beef friendly, then you can get... You can get a piece of that for $9.99, which is a stupid, stupid gag, but it made me laugh out loud. On top of that, we also get a brilliant throwback. Sorry, you drop these on us sometimes, and I haven't spotted it. That's why you're so brilliant at this. We, off-air production conversation, if you want to, whatever you want to call it, we've recently experienced weather so bad in the UK that we, we, sh we shared an anecdote that sometimes you want to just look out your window and tell it to pop off. Yes. That is... This show, crafts choke sometimes while I'm laughing. I'm telling it to f*** off. Beef friendly needs to f*** off. It's such a simple one, but it's such an effective one. Very, very good oh, indeed. Really good. And really good. I love as well that beef friendly will cost you $7 more than beef jerky. There's a 
another gag in there because they're basically charging you. There's a there's a line here. It's the higher price. It costs more to be friendly. It costs more. It costs more to be kind. It does cost oh, more. To it? Be nice. Manners, manners cost. Manners so- cost everything. <laughs> It seems. Anyway, the next one I was trying to get to before you got completely and utterly turned into a beef jerky. Uh, The brilliant gag here, of course, the reference to season four episode, uh, sorry, season three, episode four, Fish Out of Water. Who could forget that episode? Mm. Uh, Where we learn, of course, that Mr. Peanut Butter is the face of seaborne seahorse milk. And that is directly played into the fact that these two fish pop out of the water and ask for a shelfie with him, Michael. Which, in case you didn't know, is a bit like a selfie, but a shellfish has asked for it. So that's what that is. Because <laughs> fishing animal puns, am I right? Uh, you're not wrong. Anyway, let's go across the Hollyhock's dad's house. And normally that would be singular, but this is Hollyhock's dad's house, I guess. Mm. Um, great little <laughs> simple gag again. Quackers, who we kind of pointed out, was our favourite dad, I think. The duck of the dad's. <laughs> Is just reading Quack magazine, Michael. Of course he is. What else would he be reading? Say what you see, Jeff. But then on top of that, I thought it was wonderful how they reused these stupid pieces of shit, uh, animation for this to show us the inside of Bojack's head as they animate the montage of him trying to find out Hollyhock's uh, lineage, which is amazing, really well done. And uh, we then, of course, finally get to see Hollyhock's birth certificate, Michael. Finally, finally get to see that in what looks to be one of the cheapest looking. Uh, birth certificates ever almost it reads across the top of course the united states of america name what is the name is the name is girl horse (laughs) (laughs) sex is philly which is of course a breed of horse and then you get the date of birth which is september the 24th 2000 so there you Mm. go you get to know that as well place of birth san francisco california name of father but a scotch horseman name of mother Henrietta Plachkey. So it is there for everyone to see playing as day. And a lovely little thing I've just picked up on here within that uh, stupid piece of shit animation for Bojack's head is him when he's acting like a, a hard-boiled detective. He's smoking a cigarette and he's looking on the internet and the kind of way they do it, he looks like a, it looks like a film noir, basically. But you see the packet of cigarettes and the packet of cigarettes are humps cigarettes, of course, not camels as you would oh normally see on a packet of cigarettes. They're just literally titled Humps with a picture of a camel, <laughs> which I thought was great. We go back to the woods once again, as if we hadn't been here enough. Todd's idea has evolved now to this whole running experiment. We see a sign across the top. He obviously hasn't gone to the same place as Mr. Peanut Butter, because this one is a good one. It just reads, run for your life, escape the rabid clown dentist. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, though, we do also get a guy who is in the T-shirt. You mentioned is a bit like, yeah, but they're not really going to hurt us, are they? And he's like, yes, they will. Uh, <laughs> that guy, ironically, is wearing a T-shirt, which is a spin. It's literally written in the same font. It's a spin on the Nike T-shirt, just do it. But instead, his says, do just it. <laughs> 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 which is so dumb, but it works. It really does work. Um, but more importantly, on the topic of certificates, Michael, we've mentioned about Hollyhock's birth certificate. Todd gets his business certificate approved, though. As mentioned, Yolanda gives him the stamp of approval from the Better Business Bureau of California State Division, which uh, is what the, the company who Yolanda works for. We read down here. Brilliant, this. We read down. Oh, <laughs> we read down. It's got a picture of Todd in the corner with a paper clip holding it in or safety pin, whatever it is. 
Uh, and then it says, the company name, which I can only assume is Toothy Grin Incorporated. Uh, <laughs> it says it's a division of PB Living, founder and CEO, Todd Chavez. Of course, Toad Chavez, Todd Chavez. <laughs> uh, the copy reads as follows. Kids hate the dentist. Kids love clowns. How do we get kids to love the dentist? With three question marks. Toothy Grin Inc. presents Clown Dentists. We've got clowns trained to do dental work. We've got dentists wearing wigs and makeup. Which is which? It's impossible to tell. <laughs> them will make cleanings, fillings, and general anesthesia a fun experience for young ones. <laughs> we, we provide the horns, balloons, and unicycles. The customer provides the child. <laughs> <laughs> and the stamp has been stamped with better. And Yolanda's just written a note at the bottom that says, now it's a fear-based fitness thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. Really, really good. This The gags just continue to come thick and fast. So from there, we go across to the Silver Spoon Diner once again, Michael. And as I've mentioned already, everyone there is wearing Todd's fashion. We get to see that, and that is a brilliant little gag. But there's also, to add to that, there's also the billboard outside that we've seen so many times outside of, in the background of uh, Silver Spoon Diner. And you can see it, it's a bunch of, it's basically one model who's kind of multiplied and is wearing the Todd fashion you know the red hoodie and the uh, yellow hat but like mm -hmm. the, it's been stretched out this one model and it kind of fades as the as the models grow across the, bill, the billboard which will be relevant in a second i think because as we look at all the people in the diner who are wearing todd's fashion if you do a head count within the diner michael there are 11 people in the diner including todd wearing the fashion but if you include the one person on the billboard as well who is technically one person stretched out over a bunch of different ones Mm -hmm. That makes 12 people who are all dressed in Todd's fashion, which is the same number of episodes we have on this season. And is, of course, a nice little wink to the fact that they've tried to get something at least once, maybe in every episode apart from the last episode, of Todd wearing that clothing. And obviously the sort of the evolution of it, shall we say. And he's 12, did you say? 12, yes. So the number of apostles that Jesus has at the Last Supper. Hey. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a theory still has one. Uh, we are we are dealing with. I have dared to relegate actual God to B and C plots in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, big man upstairs. Oh, good, Todd, <laughs> almighty. That's crazy stuff from you. <laughs> crazy stuff. But there you go, more fuel for the fire. Almost like I might have been teeing you up for that one. The man's <laughs> got followers. What can we say? Well, anyway. <laughs> We go across, actually, no, we don't go across anywhere. I need to tell you about another continuity error that I caught in this episode. Can you believe it? I did mention to you earlier about how there was a ketchup and a mustard on the table. Obviously, the red and the yellow kind of tie into the theme of Todd's fashion. But for the majority of Todd talking to Yolanda here, uh, you will see that the ketchup is on the left and the mustard is on the right. But as Yolanda gets up to leave, the shot cuts out to a different shot. And the ketchup and the mustard have swapped places randomly. Ah. Just someone dropped the ball, I guess, on the old ketchups and the mustards. But there you go. And I couldn't help but think of you, a man who totally, absolutely, definitely loves condiments. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, he does not. <laughs> don't send me condiments. Please don't send me condiments. Do not send Michael 
Or weirdly, when this came up once in another podcast that we do for What Culture, a picture of you eating a sandwich with like loads of condiments on. I was really grossed out by it. Less of that. It's virtually, well, it's virtual abuse. <laughs> it's, I was going to say it's virtually abuse. It's literally virtual abuse. It's virtual abuse. So don't send those to at my <laughs> on Twitter, whatever you do. Um, we go across to Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter's brand new house, Michael. What could possibly go wrong here? Lots of things, as we find out, uh, and mostly revolving around the bell room, as we discover one of Diane's fantasies that Mr. Peanut Butter needlessly tries to bring to life. There are so many layers to this, though, Michael. So many. Let me just run you through them. Because on the surface, when you open this door, this looks huge and grandiose and like a mm. massive gesture from Mr. Peanut Butter, doesn't it? And you get excited because you think, look at how much effort he's put into this. You really do. It's mm. impressive. And and to have done it all from the comfort of his telephone, I guess, yeah. and asking people to do it, amazing, right? And it looks huge and brilliant and amazing. Or does it? Or does it, Michael? Because as you get a little bit closer, much like Diana and Mr. Peanut Butter's relationship, you probably realise it's not as good as it actually looks when you first get that shot. <laughs> He's drawn a smiley face on a globe with permanent marker. Like, literally... <laughs> Two eyes, two like lines for eyes, and a smile on the on a globe. Someone has just done that with permanent marker. It's not been done very well. The chair that's meant to look like the chair with eyes and a smile, like a big wide chair. The eyes have been painted on with white paint <laughs> and a dot in the middle. And the smile, someone has had to like slit the cushion <laughs> to like peel it out to get reveal a bit of the red underneath for the mouth. Mm -hmm. And worse yet is that whoever has painted the eyes on the, the, we'll call it a couch or a sofa if you want to, it's not, it's more like a long chair, mm. um, has then had white paint on the hands and has proceeded to leave handprints <laughs> all over the goddamn chair because this has been done so slapdash. And worse yet, Michael, probably the worst of all that you don't technically get to see, how much of an empty gesture is this is completely and utterly summarised by the fact that none of the books on the bookshelves are real. Mm -hmm. 5,000. <laughs> 5,000, by the way. Fake books on the <laughs> shelves. There is nothing to this. This isn't as big and impressive as it looks. The gesture is empty. This is Hollywood in a nutshell. Everything mm. looks great on the surface, but a little bit closer, and it's just a pile of shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> to sum it up in the most eloquent way I possibly can it's garbage it's hot trash it's shit. and she's up she's right to be upset by this for the reasons she gives but also because it just ain't that good at the, at the on the service of it um, and I just thought as well to top all that off the brilliant callback to um, Diane quoting Jessica Beale from the episode 10 I think it is of this season where they had that conversation about how she's like oh does Mr. Peanut Butter still love those magic eye posters, and they talk about them. And you can see, we figure it out, that the light bulb goes off in Diane's head there, and it then pairs itself off in this episode. And it's just a great a great way of describing their relationship, I think, in the end. We then go across to Bojack's patio, where he's on, or he's decking, or whatever you want to call it, outside. Um, and we just noticed that Holly, on Hollyhock's phone, uh, the icon on her phone is an eight ball. We've seen many people with different icons. Princess Carolyn's got the ball of wool. Diane's is a typewriter. 
Hollyhocks of teams is the eight ball, which, as you brilliantly mentioned during our pre-production meeting, of course, it's for the eight dads of Hollyhock, which mm. I was sitting there going, an eight ball, a magic eight ball, a da 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 Nope, it's just eight dads, you idiot. Um, <laughs> stupid, stupid idiot. Anyway, we go across to Wichita Airport now for the very last place on our horse and around run. And there's a good few guys here. Uh, there's a man who's reading a newspaper in the background it's the Wichita newspaper, Michael, which is he's reading, and the headline reads "Dow Down Pups Up," which is <laughs> nice and simple. But I also thought it was brilliant that Hollyhock shares the same, and what a great way to tie these two together as well. Once more, shares Bojack's absolute hatred for honeydew. Really doesn't mm. like that, like that honeydew fruit in there. And now something I want to talk about, which I have been waiting patiently to do since we started this podcast, because we mentioned this very, very, very early on in this pod, way back at the beginning, about how sometimes, a lot of the times, um, Raphael Bob Waxberg will put a joke in there about, say, a C-list, D-list, or a Z-list celebrity, or a show. like It was a lot of characters from Will and Grace and stuff like that early Mm. on. He just drops a name in there, just just because one, you probably haven't heard the name in a while, and two, it's funny to him because it just popped into his head. For every single one of these, he mentions that none of them are tied to any kind of malice. That's just the name for whatever reason. But in an interview, he once mentioned, apart from Jared Leto, he says, <laughs> apart from Jared Leto, f- that guy, he says. <laughs> and... I'd have to find the interview to remember. And if I do find it before we put this podcast out, I will link it in the description below. Uh, but basically, in this on this interview, he basically says he just hates uh, Jared Leto's attitude and the, the one, the kind of um, the method acting stuff that he does. But two, he really hates the way that he tried to sort of accommodate the fact that he did it, that he performed as a transgender character in Dallas Buyers Club. And talked about them like they were creatures, I think he talks about them as. Like right. he says, oh, this I was this beautiful creature, he says. And RBW essentially says, no, they're not creatures, they're people. Like, you, mm-hmm. stop being that guy. So brilliantly, Michael, the whole reason I've given you all of the build to that is because in this episode, I've waited so long, uh, Hollyhock mentions that <laughs> Honeydew, it's like the Jared Leto of fruits, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> It gets in everywhere and makes it worse, essentially, which <laughs> the last memory is, yeah, which I just thought was great. Sorry for all that preamble, but I've waited so long. I just This is the one time I can tell you that he meant it. He meant that joke. <laughs> he meant it with all his heart. But also a lovely little moment to kind of end this on where just how wonderful that line was. But I've never had a brother, which I just thought was just such a great way to end this episode, as well, of course, as the song that uh, accompanies the end credits, which for anybody who's curious, is called Wake Up, and that is by Jenny Owen Youngs, rather than the usual groupy love soundtrack that we finish episodes with. But that is everything from this week's episode of Podcast Horseman and this week's edition of Horsin' Around. But, Michael, we do still have time. As always, we'll make time, I think, despite the fact... You and I, the further we get into this season, the longer these podcasts seem to get. But who cares when the content is that good, I guess. Uh, but yes, one last thing we have time for. And then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or second this week? 
I'll take first because it's just a quick one and we've touched on their relationship a lot in this episode. Um, it's Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter at the start of the episode having what they believe to be their best chat, their best bonding experience with each other while in a virtual reality and being literally blind to the real one. Yeah. I thought that was a nice physical embodiment of where they were at and where they were going. Really nicely done. Yeah. I also really enjoyed from that. It's just, how they, no matter how hard they try, not their fault technically, but the, the undertones were there. They just can't find one another and meet mm. in a middle ground anywhere. I just thought that was, it's just <laughs> so good. So, so good, that stuff. I've got a deep cut. I've got a deep cut, which we probably are excited to, to share on this one. Mm. Great find this. Going all the way back to season two, episode 10. In this episode, of course, the one that we've watched this week, uh, Todd's dentists, Michael, the clown dentist, or clentists, I believe, as he calls them, they've all, they've all gone rabid, haven't they? They've all gone rabid in the woods, uh, they've all got rabies, and they all look, for all intents and purposes, like zombie dentists, Michael, I think mm. we can all agree. Is that a fair thing to say? Absolutely, yeah. I That's think the so. the whole difference. I think so, which is ironic, because this idea, this notion, this concept is mentioned as early as season two, episode Ten, we go back to the episode that is called "Yes And." You'll recall where Todd has joined the shenanigans and is sort of working on his improv before he ends up in the drastic situation on the giggle ship of all places. But in a random throwaway scene, uh, we just cut to the bar that they all go to. I can't remember the name of the bar now. I should have. I should have written that down, but I haven't. It's where they all go to hang out, basically after mm. a busy day. But I want to say maybe it's called. I think. Um, and, and it's just a random conversation that we drop into where they're all there having a chat. And the guys who he's working with are saying, hey, Todd, you had some killer probs in class today. And then someone else says, yes, and that zombie dentist scene was so innovative. So all those seasons ago, amazing. Todd was already improving something <laughs> would eventually come to fruition through his own genius or stupidity i will let you decide on that one but nobody's safe because of the clown dentist either way his own creation perhaps maybe i don't know maybe yes. maybe he should put that in a book one day it'd probably sell a lot of copies it should well, i don't know what he would call it though. I, don't <laughs> I don't know, know what he would call it but i'm sure he'll think of something and if he doesn't you probably will before i finish the rest of this spiel anyway <laughs> Before we go, let's quickly plug the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. We've always enjoyed doing it, and this was no different. Uh, but if you did enjoy it and you'd like more from Podcast Horseman or from your hosts, you can get that. You can follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. Get in touch with us. Send us your favourite stuff from the show. Drop us a DM if you're feeling a bit shy and you just want to talk about other things. Who knows? Podcast Open is podcast open podcast horseman even is open for business you can also follow either of your hosts on twitter you can follow me at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamflit at michael hamflit um, you can listen to this podcast on itunes where you can subscribe or apple podcast whatever it's called now. you can um listen on spotify where you can follow you can listen on acast where you can subscribe you can listen on amazon where you can also purchase your home shopping now i believe to still arrive 24 <laughs> hours later if we're all still doing this that is by your the time worst, worst gag ever this <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm gonna run it into the ground as bojack himself Good. would do That's you get it do you That's get it amazon's where you buy stuff that is from the man who has said <laughs> at the beginning of every episode, you can call us the front of the plane, is calling you out on your Amazon stuff. But I like it. I love it. Keep it going. 
You can call this the uh, suspect part of the plane because this is all prime to end with. Um, also, you can listen to us on Acast through the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. That podcast goes up every Friday morning, um, UK time. It'll drop there. You can listen to it through the tweet if you like. However you want to listen to podcasts, you can find Podcast Horseman. That's the main thing. You can talk yourself horse about a talking horse. And you can get yourself a place on the Hollywood Talk of Fame, which is what... I am Fuzzy did for us. I am Fuzzy. Thank you very much for this five-star review titled Best Podcast About the Best Show. Well, I couldn't agree anymore with both those sentiments. Thank you, I am Fuzzy. I am Fuzzy has said, Bojack Horseman is the best show on Netflix and Podcast Horseman is the best podcast about it. It's funny, informative and intelligent. Both Michael Hanfler and Adam Lucas draw you into each and every episode, give you context and insights that you might miss on a casual watch. I'm loving going back through each episode with the boys and recommend everyone else do the same. Thank you very much, I am Fozzie. As we often say when you get a piece of feedback as nice as that, that's sort of the point about this. Um, it really is the best show on Netflix. It, people need to know that, people need to see that animated horse graphic and not skip past it and go and watch something else they should be watching Bo, uh, Bojack Horseman and indeed they should be listening along with us thank you very much for that feedback a star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame it's coming its way to you across all the socials very soon absolutely and you know what I am fuzzy you can call me four out of five dentists because I agree <laughs> what can I say what can I say I'm just in agreement in full with that statement never gets old that does it rehashing old gags who would do that on this podcast <laughs> not one of us let me tell you however you will not be getting your synopsis this week that we would usually give you we go to netflix and give you the one for the next episode but of course that's not how it works when we get to the end of a season of bojack horseman what is next however is the full season review that we do uh, obviously we know our listeners like to go episode by episode but Next up, we will be doing the full season from episodes 1 to 12, condensed into like a two-hour chat between myself and Michael to have a look at what happened with the characters this season, where they were at the start, how they have ended up, as well as some of the best bits from horsing around this season. There's always bound to be a few, so that's what we'll be doing next week. Not what is going to be season 5, episode 1. That is coming sometime soon, and I'm looking forward to that, Michael, it's fair to say. Can't wait. Love these recap shows. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a nice kind of like breezier chat where we kind of like lose the lose the typical format just to go over, as you say, the, the big chapter points of the characters. And of course, TSL's up for season five. It's all very exciting. Um, and as well, as usual, we will be putting a tweet out on the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. It'll very possibly be on there now as you listen to this podcast, or if not, certainly on the weekend. Gives you about um, three or four days for context after that tweet goes out to get any questions, any comments, any observations, anything at all, anything we might have missed, anything that's gone astray in season four that you'd like a bit more conversation on. Drop it in the uh, the thread that we'll put up there for the season four recap. Um, that should be up late Friday, early Saturday at the latest. Um, get it in there within time and we'll hopefully have a chance to read it out on the show. We'll go through as many comments as we can, have a bit more talking ourselves horse about the talking horse and just try and close the book on season four. Get everything out there. No spoilers, please, as always, if you could. Um, only sort of going up to the events of the episode we've just reviewed. Uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll tie things up for season four ahead of getting started on season five. That's next week's recap special. Very exciting stuff indeed, but... Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Because, Michael, what time is it right now? It's time to get off the podcast <laughs> and probably go to bed. As always, I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamlet, And this has been Podcast Horseman. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.